This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. Hi, I'm Amanda Patterson, co-founder and CEO of The Call List. And what I love about fashion is that your individual fashion is most people's only interaction with you and your opportunity for visual self-expression. Imagine a plugin that powers video calls from influencers to all their followers at once. Shopify-powered brands can share products to be shopped in real time. Think shoppable FaceTime at scale. And you can republish your archived videos across social, getting double the value out of your production budget. You could even convert fans to customers by providing participants the chance to interact with creators, influencers, and experts directly from their smartphone, tablet, or laptop. This could be a game changer for online commerce in fashion, right? Well, it's real and it's here. And coming up, you'll hear from the CEO of The Call List, who gives us a look inside. From New York City, you are listening to Fashion Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the fashion industry. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Fashion Is Your Business. I'm Mark Rako, and uh, staring directly at me from his screen onto my screen, or vice versa, Mr. Puvin Ball. Hey, Puvin. Hey, you. Hey, you. Uh, good to see you. Uh, and with us also, also staring at each other, it's the three of us really just staring at each other, Amanda Patterson. Hey, Amanda, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? So happy to be here. Your company did not start during COVID. It started before COVID. You know, for a lot of companies, uh, their vision of whether or not they're related to e-commerce or anything like that, they, the, the vision of what they thought their company was has transformed as a result of what they say, the, the new normal, if you will. Uh, how has the vision of your company, what it meant to you and your team, how is it different now at the time that we record this than when you first, its first inception? Well, its first inception years ago was really, you know, I was a, a management strategy consultant based in New Orleans, traveling back and forth to New York and other places every week. And a friend of mine who is a drag artist would prop his iPhone up on a ledge and video call people for two minute drag performances. And he had a list. And so really he would just like sort of bang through that list. And if I was at a steakhouse in Midtown with financial services clients, I I would be like, hey, I got to take this. I don't want to get kicked off of this call list and this FaceTime list. And so I would hand the phone around the table. People would get really engrossed in this drag performance. And I thought to myself, I've got to give this this artist a tool to have these virtual performances and have that collective energy with their audience. And so that's where the the idea of the callist was born. And then in addition to that, be able to sell admission tickets to that and scale that so you could make calls to many people at once and still maintain the collective energy of your audience. And, and so that, that sort of idea of 
a more natural collective energy and a virtual event space has maintained, but certainly evolved. And COVID has been an accelerant to what that means in in more of a, a brand space. So that idea over the years has evolved based on our partners like Matt Cosmetics and more recently Armani Beauty and kind of elevating the sophistication of that. But then you have new technologies that are in the space and make interactions more natural like house party. So we start introducing these other elements and make those brandable as well. And so you can have even a a better shared experience with your peers in a totally branded space. Amanda, so to unfold that a little bit more and to kind of maybe like lay the, the foundation of the conversation. So the call list is essentially a place where people gather and watch um, content, I guess, right? And you've layered in a in an opportunity for brands to have a touch point with audiences and do demos and maybe influencers are holding, you know, uh, beauty tutorials or whatever it is. But then the distinguishing factor between a house party or a Zoom call or um, the multitude of platforms that are out there is the layering in of e-commerce and like that direct purchase ability. Is that correct? So who uh, you said a lot there. And I just want to summarize sort of what we are and kind of what I, I, I agree with what you said, which is we're a plugin. So we, we are totally web-based. We're meant to be on a brand's e-com site uh, or a, a URL that they designate. Uh, and we tie in e-commerce so we can pull their products into stream for people, their audience, their brand community to shop in real time. But to your earlier point about what really differentiates us, it is one that we're brandable and we live in the brand space. So you have, you own that relationship with your brand community from beginning to end. They're on your e-com platform. You're not sending them to yet another third-party app or even web website. They can access it across browsers, across devices, but your brand your community also, your audience has an opportunity to raise their hand and be unmuted by the host. So it's a much more natural interaction than, let's say, you know, an Instagram live, for example, where you have that live broadcast, you've got kind of that almost unscripted feel, you can do demos, things like that. But rather than read the comments of your audience, you can hear them, you can see them. So the host has a Brady Bunch panel that's viewing the audience. And the audience feels like they're basically on FaceTime with the host or the hosts. Uh, in addition to that, you've got survey questions you can throw at them. So if you're not ready for you know, real dialogue, you can adjust your narrative based on the preferences they're, they're telling you in real time. So it's kind of this opportunity to give your audience agency in terms of sharing, sharing their preferences so you can adjust your narrative as well as this collaborative content for the first time, really, that you can republish across social and digital channels. Yeah. And as a a call list, I guess, um, audience member. Um, I could go on to the web-based browser and see all different types of content. So what I what I think is interesting here is that it's also a place that 
um, folks go to for for inspiration, right? In different categories. So uh, no, I could go onto wait. my call list. Oh, is this no. a new iteration? Yes. Oh, no oh. longer. <laughs> okay. Interesting. To Mark's point. <laughs> so the last. I'm like, the, this was interesting. So so when we had talked about yeah. a year ago, that's where it was, right? I could log onto my account. I could yeah. see different classes and join a class or a scheduled webinar or something that was pre-recorded. So tell me what happened there. Yeah. So, uh, and you'll notice that there are companies now that have popped up that with that same idea of you get a branded channel, you can go in, you can search other brands and other channels. Uh, the early feedback from our from our brand partners, from our enterprise partners was, we hate that. We hate sending people to yet another platform. So we said, great, no ego attached. We'll create a plugin that basically you can customize and copy and paste JavaScript and put it on your site. So no longer is it about the, the end user, the audience member. It's more about the brand. So the Callist can power something on bellbororganic.com, on armanibeauty.com, on a bunch of different .coms. And they might have a schedule of upcoming events or even parallel events, but you're no longer coming to the call list for anything. Well, well, I'm assuming that that means the, the brands wanted to keep the traffic in-house versus, um, or d- use this for a deeper connection with their audience versus um, almost accelerating or pulling other brands with them, depending on the size of, of their company. That's exactly right. So they didn't see a, they didn't imagine a benefit from that, that cross pollination of viewers. They have YouTube for that. They have Instagram for that. What they want is to drill deeper and to give their community voice. And because they have the archived content with the mixed audio of anyone they choose to unmute, they can continue to feed those other channels for that kind of more static content. And, and I think, you know, they're, there are use cases from individual appointments that we see people using the call list for to classes like workshops to, uh, to influencer and expert uh, forums. You know, Amanda, like as other platforms are, are prevalent in everyone's life, like Zoom has almost become ubiquitous with doing business, right? And how are you thinking about, of course, I don't expect them to um, come into the commerce space or or brand or have any white label branding abilities for brands. But what if they do? Like, how are you thinking about defensibility? Uh, so, I mean, this is a a conversation we have internally uh, quite frequently, and and from the beginning, right? So, so we're not the first players in the video space, and certainly not the video conference space. We're not intended to be a meeting place. This is more for, uh, you know, we're B2B, but this is more B2C. And this is meant to be for companies that don't have necessarily the technological bandwidth to implement APIs even. So Shopify direct-to-consumer stores can onboard in minutes with the Shopify app, and we become either a page within their e-commerce site, or we can manifest as a button kind of similar to what you would have for a, a chat help button. You can have that kind of branded as your brand icon that pops up different interactive live events, or you can do something a bit more custom and 
fit into other pages on your site. So we are meant to be interactive video, kind of almost like interactive TV with your brand community on your brand terms. And I think that has been a huge differentiator in addition to our e-commerce capabilities. So giving that magic back to the the associate or brand rep or or in this case you know many times influencers of the personal interaction that you would get when you're going into a brick and mortar space and having that education moment where the consumer is is highly involved they have either the opportunity to vocalize a question or listen to their peer set vocalize questions and make comments and it it touches on that behavioral those behavioral science principles uh, that you just don't get with other uh, you know like technologies. What what type of I mean you mentioned a few beauty um, clients are you finding that to be your bread and butter or is that kind of like your initial path in for um, kind of a sales effort? Yeah, honestly, I think it's it is it's just our initial path in because we do have other other clients in the retail space were doing an event for Dove, for example, and Unilever in a couple of weeks uh, and and a few more after that for, for them as well. Uh, but really, they're just early adopters. So they they're motivated to monetize these new technologies and these new ways of interaction. And so they were they were just our our best collaborators in bringing something to market that people that brands wanted to use that businesses could leverage that felt social to the end user but was a tool that an enterprise could adopt easily so yeah beauty beauty has been in the education space from the beginning so this transition from IRL to this in virtual life so IVL uh kind of master classes and Q&As is such a natural progression for them but we're seeing even luxe fashion trunk shows so i mentioned that uh that party room element so kind of getting together with your friends and experiencing a new collection that way too. Coming up, you'll hear more about what the vision is that a man and her team have uh, for this and, uh, and all the thinking process and research that's gone into making that vision even possible right after this. So check this out. For more than 15 years, and more than 160,000 customers, the number one SMS marketing software, industry leader Easy Texting, has set the standard for business texting platforms. So it's a cloud-based, self-service SaaS platform, and it's a top 20 best product for marketers, and it allows businesses of all sizes to reach and engage their mobile audiences. They've sent 5 billion messages to their customers, yes, but what can really move the needle for you is this. Texting delivers 600% more engagement than email. Now, what could you do with 600% more engagement? Look, 90% of people read new messages within 30 minutes, right? And text messages 
134% more likely to be read than emails. So when an online boutique wanted to send their existing customers coupons and information about upcoming sales, they wanted an easy-to-use text marketing platform, and they used easy texting. 89% of customers prefer messaging to communicate with businesses. 77% of consumers have a more positive impression of companies that text. So when a clothing store with a pop-up shop wanted to increase store traffic as well as tell past customers about new arrivals, they used easy texting. In-store traffic increased within just a few hours of their first text. They had positive communications with customers, and they saved time. So you come to fashion as your business for valuable business insights and strategy, right? This one is a game changer. Texting allows you to facilitate scheduling, enable staffing, promote products and services, and notify customers, and the big kahuna provide an excellent customer experience. So, Fashion Is Your Business is going to hook you up. Easy Texting is offering a free trial to listeners of the Fashion Is Your Business podcast. Just text FASHION to 858 858- 585. Again, that's fashion to 858-585. Message and data rates may apply for this recurring message program. It's always great to talk about vision because it's one thing to build something and it's one thing to have it in motion and working. It's another thing to think about what your overall vision of what you want it to be when it grows up. So how are you thinking about that? What is the, not even just the long-term vision, but you know, what you hope this can accomplish and the thinking process and even research that's gone into it, even from a, um, a behavioral science standpoint. I'm fortunate to have, you know, a cool team, but also just an incredible collaborator and my co-founder and CTO, Doug McKay. And our vision for the call list is to be the interactive video toolkit. So, and and that means both live interactive video as we've done so far, and we continue to evolve to even, you know, more collaborative experiential uh, events, but also pre-recorded and archived content. So, so I think one of our driving uh, principles or guiding principles is how do we give the audience agency in a meaningful way, but in a way that the brand feels comfortable with and what that might look like in pre-recorded content. So you record a workshop for a product or you're talking about certain benefits and you throw up a survey question and I say, I'm interested in in fall attire, and it immediately forwards me to the segment on that, or it sends me to another piece of content altogether. So you're getting information about me as a consumer, but you're taking me on the journey that I want to be on. And so you're giving me agency. And mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's really important to us because it ha- reciprocity is important to us. I, I, ha- I shared that conversation or the vision earlier for the callist at its inception. And that's what it's about. We believe that humans belong in 
the interactions in in the virtual space, and we want to keep those conversations alive in a way that feels uh, reciprocal. Let's let's touch again on on the, the concept of behavioral science. Then, um, you know, where does the insight come from as you you program for and take take into account behavioral the aspects of behavioral science that are involved here i mean are they just out of thin air do you have experts on the team how did you research that and then integrate that research into programming yeah certainly i am not a scientist and and have no advanced degree in the space uh my first job out of college was public relations for neiman marcus and you know this is 13 years ago but the principal selling tool was education and that's education of sales associates from brand reps who would then educate customers and even our events were created around education. So someone like Ken Downing or an editor from Vogue would come to MC a fashion show and the customers would soak up that information from the designer's inspiration to the stylist's processes for creating looks and the behavioral science link uh, kind of harkens back to the idea that knowledge is power. And in that conversation or witnessing a conversation with an authority on the subject encourages ownership of that information and ultimately conversion to a customer. And so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. an example of that uh, would be like a, a customer who would typically shop in contemporary, so Theory or Alice and Olivia or DVF, would come in for a Chanel trunk show with a stylist who talks to her about the chain weight of a Chanel jacket and the origin of the design. And that woman would feel like she has to have it. And then, you know, there's virality in her community. And later as a management strategy consultant, I I designed communication for teams like Morgan Stanley, when they purchased majority share of Smith Barney, and you had tens of thousands of people coming together under a new org, under new technology tools, what did you do to empower them to take ownership of that transition? And it's give them direct access to leadership and those conversations and designing that in a scalable way. And, and we see the same possibilities with the call list promoting this in digital experiences. So the brand has control as a facilitator. But the brand community is seen and heard by the brand really like never before. And mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. energy is palpable. You know, as mentioned, like Zoom has been, become ubiquitous with the way that we are conducting our day-to-day -day business environments. And um, one thing that I found really interesting is that touch point with executives, right? Um, what you're finding or what I've experienced, so uh, as Bellwether Culture, uh, my, my agency company, We've been helping a lot with digital events. Um, so these are traditionally conferences or award ceremonies going into the fully virtual space. And you're finding that blend to your your projection of pre-recorded plus live. Um, so that interaction between two of them, whether it's a moderator or the speaker itself, they're finding, I mean, this is out of the necessity of just minimize the risk of technology um, blips, but Ultimately, it is providing a really unique experience um, for somebody that is looking to gain a, a deeper connection with maybe their employee base or their, their audiences. So that aside, so that's my just overall just kind of talking through and thinking through what you're, what you're doing. Now, I'm wondering, like, as a retail strategist hat, I'm 
projecting that just like influencers um, kind of selling through through like uh, referral links and things like that. You're also finding now publishers are trying to get into the commerce game beyond just um, driving links to uh, to a third to an outbound site. So I'm wondering, are you thinking about integrations or tech collaborations that'll let you or a publisher or a different demographic of client to purchase right right through? So say someone that's not a retailer does not have physical inventory. How could they team up with brands then? To maybe do like a dropship program, for instance, with like RevCascade or, you know, those types of interactions. Is there any sort of tech integrations that you see as um, particularly unlocking in your um, in your product pipeline? It's a really interesting concept and, and one we love to ideate around because we think that there are so many opportunities for collaboration in this space. So if... It, E-commerce platforms, uh, especially from an enterprise perspective, are all built so differently. And there's one use case that I'm thinking of right now in particular that ties all of their products to a unique link. Uh, so if you think about affiliate links, this is an easy way to kind of uh, organize them, organize them yeah. and, and create an event that's almost like a marketplace of different, uh, different products. You do... In a single event, you do want to be pointing toward one single e-commerce platform because what you're what we're doing is we're we're sort of exposing products during a live event for people to add to their personal cart. And so you have to send them to the same place to check out. So I think when you when you talk about uh, certain, certain brand communities that might have influencers with Amazon affiliate links. You can load those up against products and that, and because you're sending the same ID, you're passing that to Amazon. It all goes into the same account. So, so there are really interesting use cases. I'm glad you brought this up, but I unfortunately don't have a quick way of explaining through what this might look like. Uh, but it's definitely something that we're working through with different clients who are not necessarily retailers themselves, uh, but have brands that they uh, they sell through other merchant platforms. Yeah, I just I just wonder like a, a marriage between the call list and a dropship enabling technology could be really interesting. I agree. I I'll have to give that some more thought and. Uh, and there's one company that we were in New York Fashion Tech Lab in particular that that I'm going to have that conversation with. What's the media priority right now? Is it bringing on brands? Is it working on the technology? Is it is is the, is the tech at a place where you're able to platform exactly the profile of client that you want to platform? Yes, but we're always evolving. So right now we've got a really sound product that puts out an experience that is new. So it's new to be able to do this on your e-commerce site. It's new to be able to to answer questions and promote dialogue with your brand community while they're also shopping your products and able to check out, uh, you know, either while you're in the experience or immediately afterwards. And and so that's new. And we have so many ideas and so many things on the roadmap, but what we're really waiting for is critical mass of feedback to help us prioritize. And that's, that's who prioritizes our tech roadmap are our partners. 
How how could you accelerate that? How are you thinking about saying, look, if I have more people out there and they're I realize some of it is just experiential. You got to wait for enough use, you know, use cases to unfold and them to organically take place. But the more people you have doing it, the faster you can get multiple feedback. How are you thinking about trying to provide this, let's say, to uh, brands that uh, that you believe in that maybe you're not as strongly seeking to get revenue from them right now, but you can give them a, you know, you can do a loss leader, if you will, to get that feedback because it's so important to your advancement. And maybe that'll turn the, some of them into clients eventually anyway, but you're supporting young entrepreneurs or whatever it is. How are you thinking about it from that dynamic to accelerate that feedback? I think that's where we look to direct to consumer brands. So brands who are are not at the level of the L'Oreal's and the Estee Lauder's of the world, but are are really agile and are are pivoting their marketing strategies pretty regularly. And so they they might not be bringing in initially the same sort of revenue that we're seeing from our enterprise clients, but they're using the technology in more interesting ways because they're less risk averse. So where we might have a very specifically branded event for Armani Beauty and they did it beautifully, you know, and and just like you mentioned, they brought in multimedia, they they had it, you know, highly produced with a lot of splitting and cutting and and interesting shots. You have brands who are, you know, just opening their laptop and going live and opening up that conversation with the founders in the community, and they're experiencing such incredible things. And we're hearing, and that's you know why we accelerated party rooms. So we heard from our direct to consumer brands that. Their community wants to see each other and they don't want to wait to talk about what they just experienced when they're having a pajama party with the founders. They want to be able to talk to each other right now and have that crosstalk, but still be able to raise their hand. And so we're like, okay, we've got to get this done. And so now in your browser, you can have that, that house party view, that party room view within mm-hmm. the brand's e-com site and they can run workshops that way with segments of light consumers. You can invite your friend to a DJ set that a brand has uh, has sponsored on their site or a cocktail class or a flower, you know, arranging class or something like that. And so they're they're becoming more valuable to their brand community because they're they're creating interesting moments for them in a very strange virtual only time. And they're able to reach them no matter where they are. So I think that is, yeah, it's, it's the direct to consumer clients for sure, who are, you know, maybe not, not the ones who are investing in us from a, from a revenue perspective, but we're heavily investing in them because they're the future. They're, they're the ones having the conversations right away. You know, I've I the, so two things. Um, the direct to consumer uh, marketplace is, is tremendous. I love that they're again the agility, right, and the 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 rawness of how they go live um, is really important. Um, but another thing that you just mentioned is like you know, so my the the company my my wife works with uh, or for is a brand conglomerate. They have three D to C brands within it, and um, 
they are, they're always doing something interesting in terms of like engaging their internal community as well as external communities. Uh, live DJ sets kind of rang a bell, right? And there's multitudes of celebrity DJs that are, of course, out of a lot like huge money gigs, right? And they are getting contracted by brands to do just what you said, virtual events and things like that. How have you thought about working with like talent agencies in terms of fulfilling or like even ideating um, brand needs or potential brand partners that are coming on board? Yeah, it's, it's really how we've accelerated our growth during this time. So our partnerships (laughs) with experiential agencies and with PR agencies have been our inroad to bringing on these brand partnerships. So a lot of times we're a subcontractor. We are, you know, Mm. our work is quick because they're providing all of the creative and we're just plugging plugging into it. But, uh, but they have those trusted relationships. And so what was a really long process being B2C and being relatively new and unknown became an accelerated process because they're looking for opportunities to brand these virtual events and they can connect the the brand and the talent as well. So it's, yeah, those are the most fruitful partnerships. Wow. Are you, so then are you, do you have like a master license that you're working with, um, say large creative digital agencies that, that again, do the creative, do the work for these multinationals and you're a pass through essentially. Yes. So we, we certainly work that way. I, sometimes we are working directly with the brands, but a lot of times in the last couple of months, we're, we're working under the umbrella of an agency who's coordinating all of the moving parts. And I think that was one of our inhibitors initially is that we, the brands were like, yes, this is, this is how we want to be engaging. This is, this is how we want to be connecting with our community at large globally but we don't know how to coordinate and create that kind of content. They needed additional guidance. And, you know, at the onset, we were too small to be providing that level of not just advisory services, but true production. And so now we have some really solid partnerships. We've also learned some things from them so we can, you know, do supplemental production support for smaller kind of projects, but it's been really helpful. Yeah, I I would love to offline take that conversation separately because I feel like there's there's definitely some some connectivity we could do. Cool. You should you should do that over a breakfast sandwich. Yes, in yeah. Brooklyn. <laughs> um, dude, I'm, Amanda, I've been meaning to go. I've I've been meaning to go out to your suggested coffee shop. At, where is it? In Carroll Gardens, right? No, it's in Park Slope. Oh, so like Smith Street or Carroll or Carroll and Fifth Avenue. Got it, got it. Got well, it. don't yeah. tell everybody that it's just going to get crowded. <laughs> well, no, more no, crowded. No, that, listen, I, I, think it, I think it may have a Michelin star. It's Michelin rated. So they already got, uh, yeah, they, they they already got the people. <laughs> They're fine. But I, but I was thinking about you because I went over to Cafe Lulu uh, not long ago on Smith. Um, and I was like, oh, man, I just don't have that. After those fluffy, crispy pancakes, I just had no uh, nothing left in me to get that bacon, egg, and cheese, unfortunately. So. <laughs> I saw your like food bike tour one weekend yeah. and you were, oh yeah, your, your menu was pretty stuffed. <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot. And I had yours on the list. It's just every, like, you know, I was just, I was done. I was to the brim at that point. So, 
Well, it does appear we've gravitated into the personal side of things. So coming up, you'll hear more about the personal side yeah. of Amanda as we uh, hop on over to Off the Grid questions right after this. Now here comes a twist. I'm going to share serious tips, challenges, and solutions. I'm 36 years old. I founded 21 companies. I'm an Inc. 500 awardee. One word. Entrepreneur. This is Naked Entrepreneur. It happened to me not once, not twice, three times. This is going to happen. Write it down. With Eli Ostriker. Right now, let me focus on my logo. Focus on the website. You're f***ing out of your mind. Are you crazy? Rated R. Listen, it's a podcast. Naked Entrepreneur. All right, Amanda, it is time for... And now, it's time for Questions Off the Grid, with fashion is your business. That's right, Off the Grid questions, where we ask questions that are frankly a little off the grid, a little more personal in nature, and in order to figure out the order of questions we ask, we naturally... Anyone listening to the show knows this. We spin our gigantic wheel of grid destiny, and whoever's name comes up first asks the first question. Uh, so uh, I'm just gonna give this this thing a big tug and just spin that wheel. And the first name is oh, it's me. It's it's me again, Bubbin. <laughs> I think what happened was when I had a talking with you, somehow the wheel the wheel started balancing out the allocations. Is that what it is? Is that I what think it is? So. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Well, anyway, I wasn't quite ready. Let's see. Um, <laughs> okay, Amanda. Uh, here is the question. You're you're so involved in communicating. What are the kinds of conversations that you most enjoy being a part of? I was a philosophy major in college. So anything philosophical, any kind of conversations around the future of how we interact and how we should interact as, as communities, as cultures, that's really interesting to me. Yeah. Great. And, uh, and uh, what what's one thing you remember taking away from your philosophy education that's still a concept that you often share even today? Ooh, I like that. You know, a book that has felt really relevant to me over the course of the last couple of years is Guy Debord's Society of the Spectacle. And oh. I feel like I'm going to like mess this description up, but, uh, because it's been a few years since I read it, but this idea of the cycles of, of human movement and relationships. So this idea that we all started, uh, in, in small townships out in the fields, you know, and then, the jobs were in the city. And so we kind of moved to the city and we were, we were here because of convenience. And then, then, you know, whoa, the, the townships out in the country looked a little bit more desirable as you worked yourself to death in the city. And that, that became a luxury again. And I think, you know, this, this kind of idea of, okay, so how do those cycles start to manifest uh, in the way we communicate, in the way we use technology. So, mm. uh, and then also 
you know, the allegory of the cave. And I think about that in terms of the evolution of social media. And we're all, you know, chained down looking at a cave wall with shadows. Like I imagine that as like Instagram and Facebook. So just like static images that are totally unrelatable because they're highly edited and produced. And then, okay, you can start to like turn your head and see the forms because we've introduced video and like people are moving around like humans now. And then you introduce live video and that's kind of the light because it's a little more unscripted. And now I see the call list is that next step, which is dialogue you get to like interact with the content and and things happening in the digital space in a more impactful way you know speaking of philosophy thank you for all that speaking of philosophy i'm constantly remind myself that no matter how technologically amazing we think we are at the moment there was a point in which someone pointed at a cave painting and said now that is state of the art you know that yeah. and 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 whatever number of hundred years or thousand years from now someone will look back at our amazing technology right now and just go how did they live with that how did they communicate with that isn't that I, crazy i have a picture right here from my wedding and my husband and i are holding champagne glasses and i was like do you think our kids are going to be like you guys are bizarre you were like poisoning poisoning yourself for fun like do you think alcohol will even be a thing in 30 years i i hope so (laughs) (laughs) guys what am i gonna do with all this then i know know. you're like a museum the museum of puffin uh all right another spin of the wheel for whatever reason just because we can and of course it comes to puffin uh sure so I mean, I'm curious. Sure, like, if, uh, sure, sure, you're like sure. <laughs> I'll consider asking a question. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's give it, let's give it a whirl. If your parents were at a social gathering at the time when you were 12 or 13, say 14 years old, what would they brag about? How would they brag about their daughter? I grew up in the Midwest. I was talking about this with friends yesterday. Even I grew up in the Midwest, and my parents are both very athletic. And so I played, you know, I would play anywhere from three to seven sports in a, in a year, you know, different Wait, types can of I, sports. Wait, so, hold on. Does being from the Midwest uh, have a one-to-one correlation be- between being tall and athletic? I don't because know. Because there it, are stereotypes. So <laughs> I'm just, I'm wondering. If, I think it's, you know, my husband grew up in Brooklyn and he didn't, play any sports, you know, seriously. And I think it's more about having the space. So it's what there was to do, right? There weren't, it's not like we were on the subway going to different neighborhoods or anything like that. We were in the car with a ton of athletic junk going out to the field or to the gym or whatever. So I think it's more about like access, like you have access to different things based on how dense the city that you live in is. Yeah. And I guess you get, you get big and strong from corn, I guess. Well, that's right. I I had an Instagram story up the other day because I found sweet corn here for like the first time. Long Island? No. (laughs) Yeah, they do. But it's not as, it's not as like. As As sweet? Yeah. And and I just like made it for a snack. And my husband's like, you're so weird and Midwestern. Like, who does that? 
All right, so you played three to seven sports. Sorry, yeah. sorry to derail that hard. So, and I would also always have these kind of little entrepreneurial schemes. So I think, you know, they were, they were proud of athleticism and then they were also kind of amused by the little entrepreneurial schemes that I would uh, think up and somehow con people into like being customers. Nice. <laughs> How, uh, out of the three to seven sports, which ones were the ones that you felt like um, you connected with the most? The sport that I love the most now is tennis. Absolutely. But uh, I played soccer. I played soccer in college. My mother still plays soccer. My dad, you know, was my basketball coach and a great uh, basketball player. So those were kind of connections that we all shared and how we spent time together. Uh, So I would say I loved volleyball, basketball, and soccer. And then now it's just tennis is the way that we can all enjoy time together the most. Wonderful. Thank you very much for all those wonderful insights into Amanda and her world. (laughs) Um, Thanks to the great Wheel of Grid Destiny. You know, a lot of times we like to ask our, you know, you've you've offered so many insights and so much wisdom and so much perspective throughout this conversation, Amanda, either wittingly or unwittingly. But I don't know if wittingly is a word, but... uh, (laughs) but, Willingly or unwillingly? Well, we could do that too, yes. The, the question I have, though, is that do you have any more in you to offer any type of uh, perhaps a, a final thought or or, or a, uh, a reflection, uh, reflective thought that you might like to leave the listener with that your parting shot, if you will? No pressure. You know, I we talked about not going into the pitch, uh, but there is one thing that I always kind of close with, and that's. Uh, that people want to connect. So as much as you can do to give your brand community access uh, to the people who make your brand work and the the biggest champions, the greatest experts, do that. Pull back the veil. And a lot of times there's some fear and, and uh, you know, timidness around that from more legacy brands. But I think you'll be... Pr- pleasantly surprised by how much people appreciate and just light up uh, when their favorite brands hear them and engage with them in that personal way. Wonderful. I love that. Thank you for that. That was worth doing. So uh, Amanda, uh, if people want to connect with you and the things that you're doing, uh, how can they do that? Yeah, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm Amanda Patterson and uh, the call list. But also, if you have ideas for collaborations or you want to learn more about the call list, please just shoot me an email at amanda at thecalllist.com. So you're staking it down that you're either going to be the only Amanda at the call list for all time, right? That's right. (laughs) It's a rule. All right. Thank you so much for that. All right. Well, that's it. I so appreciate you joining us, Amanda. It really was a wonderful conversation. And I think what you guys have built have just, it's really something remarkable that's got a lot of traction, going to have a lot of traction, even more. So uh, excited to be a part of telling that story. So best of luck. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. This was super fun. Of course. Uh, that's it for this episode of Fashion Is Your Business. I'm so happy you've been along for the ride. We really, really appreciate it. Hope that you, each and every one of you, stay safe and well. Until next time, for Pub and Ball. Shake it easy. 
I'm Mark Rako. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. This has been Fashion Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2020. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at fashionisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard.